today on the Andrew Cooperwriter Show. This will be the first of two parts, two episodes. The next one, of course, will come tomorrow, where we're going to go over the first televised governor's debate that occurred this week. Uh, this will probably be the only debate we'll dig into this way. We may dig into the last debate as well if they say anything actually significant. But I think it's very important for us to dig through this. What you'll learn today is the difference between being a actually informed voter and a person who thinks they're informed because they watch debates or they pay attention to the ads while not actually understanding about the issues. But I want to make sure you're an informed voter. So I'll be digging into both what Cameron and Bashir say, give you the facts around it, and as we analyze through each individual question and then answer. Like I said, this will be two parts. Uh, normally, I cut off my last segment uh, for the podcast-only listeners to enjoy in order to encourage those watching on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Rumble to go ahead and head over and follow the podcast itself because it provides a more convenient listening uh, format and style. But today and tomorrow for these two episodes, I will include the last segment for everybody, though I do want to encourage you if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook or one of those uh, providers, please head on over and listen to the podcast format. Uh, both these episodes should be about 45 minutes long, so it should be more enjoyable for you to be able to listen, uh, listening on Spotify, Apple, um, Amazon, Google, iHeart, Pandora, those podcast listening platforms, because you can take this episode with you on the go. If you have any questions, concerns, or you just want to voice your opinion to the show, you can always email us at info at theandrewshow.com. Once again, that's info at theandrewshow.com. Let's take a look here. We're going to start off the podcast, uh, where we're going to start in the debate. We're going to start after the opening statements. Uh, we're going to start as they're asking the first question. And before we dig into it, I do have to bring up a point that I greatly dislike about this debate format. Because they wanted to televise this statewide and everybody had to be involved, they therefore had to get together. Uh, each anchor from one of the stations that was broadcasting this got to ask a question. But instead of just allowing them to ask those questions and then just one person, uh, the moderator, announcing that, letting them know, instead they have a moderator and then this panelist of people asking questions. And I hate that format because what you're doing is, is you're creating less time. You only have so much time, you know, an hour, hour and a half to go ahead and get this debate done. So let's pick up where the first question is asked and how this will work is I'll let them ask the question. The question is particularly egregious. I'll pause and I'll call that out for being a badly worded question. Um, but otherwise, I'm going to let Cameron and Bashir kind of go back and forth and then break down what they said after they've answered that question. And as they move on to the next one, I don't want to be interrupting them in the middle of their question. There will be one time I do uh, only because I think it is a particularly egregious <laughs> situation. Uh, so let's take a look at this. All right, we got some questions for you both now. The candidates haven't seen any of these questions that are uh, going to be asked of them tonight. Here's how this section will work. Candidates, you'll each have 60 seconds to answer each question. The candidate who answers first will be permitted a 30-second rebuttal if the other candidate mentions you by name in his answer. <laughs> the coin toss for the first question went to Governor Bashir. 
We will start then, you will start answer, uh, first answer of the first question. Let's start with our man from Louisville, WDRB anchor Gilbert Corsi. The first question to Governor Bashir. Evan. Evan, thank you, gentlemen. Thank you for being here. It is an honor to be a panelist here tonight. Let's start in the category of labor. Right now, 8,700 people are on strike at a Ford plant in Louisville, the UAW, one of many strikes that we've seen recently from manufacturing to healthcare, even to Hollywood. So, Governor Bashir, what would your administration's policy be on balancing workers' rights, business interests, and the economic impact of union strikes? Well, I'm proud to be a governor endorsed by the UAW and that has landed the biggest investment in the history of Ford Motor Company, a really proud company. What we have to have here is a win-win. Uh, our UAW families are fighting for better wages and better health care benefits, something we should want for every single one of our citizens. We need them to come out of this, being able to provide more opportunity for their kids, a better future here in Kentucky but we also need a strong Ford coming out of it. They invested $5.8 billion in our Commonwealth. We're building the two biggest battery plants on planet Earth. And I was the governor that struck the deal for them to uh, re-up that Kentucky truck plant to make the new F-250, investing hundreds of millions of dollars in preserving all of those jobs. This isn't an either or. We need the UAW to come out in a strong place and Ford to come out in a strong place too. A follow-up to you, uh, Governor uh, Bashir. You are proud of your UAW support, but part of the reason that uh, those workers are on strike right now is that they are worried uh, though, that the jobs at the battery plant will be non-union um, and that that will take away union jobs. So the question is, what have you done to prevent that from happening? When we landed the largest investment in the history of the Commonwealth, 5.8 billion dollars, 5,000 new jobs coming to Glendale, making us the electric vehicle battery production capital of the United States of America, right here in Kentucky. We knew it was not only going to ensure we were a part of the automotive future, that we didn't lose jobs that some other states might be, but that we would also preserve those jobs at LAP and at the Kentucky truck plant. We realize that where the batteries are are going to bring in the rest of the industry, from the supply chain to EV to also the assembly work. Landing that ensured we will be an automotive leader into the future. As I'm the only person on this stage that both has the cell phone number of the local UAW president, as well as most of these Ford officials. We can get this done. We must get it done. And it has to be a win-win now and for the future. Attorney General Canraman, to you, what would your administration's policy be on balancing workers' rights, business interests, and the economic impact of union strikes? I should say, 60 seconds. Well, Gilbert, thank you for that question. And I think that we have to have a swift resolution of what is going on, not only at the Ford plant here in Louisville, but also as we see this transpiring across the nation. But I also want to say unequivocally that I support our workers. And it's uh, no question that we are in this mess because of the inflationary pressures that are coming from Washington, D.C. And wages need to be increased. These workers know that, but they are having to deal with the challenge of more expensive groceries, more expensive gas, and more expensive childcare. What I think is incredibly important is that you have a governor 
that eliminates the income tax to make sure that these folks have more money in their pocket to pay for those things that I just talked about and also, again, increase their wages at the plant. I support the workers and will make sure that they have leadership in the governor's office that works for them. I'll follow up to you, Attorney General Cameron. You had previously criticized what you called, quote, green energy fantasies. Well, those EV battery plants are going up in your old stomping grounds in Hardin County. Uh, those jobs are very real. Um, it's 5,000 of them, as Ford has said. Um, so who deserves the credit for Kentucky landing that mega project? Well, look, I applaud the work of our legislature. Look, on every economic policy that has been of benefit to Kentucky, this governor has stood on the opposite side, whether it be prevailing wage or right to work or cutting your taxes, this governor has been on the other side of it. It is because of the work of our legislature, folks like Chris McDaniel and Senator Schickel, who have done the good and responsible work of making sure that we have a pro-business environment. And on top of that, one of the reasons in which these plants want to come to Kentucky is because they can be guaranteed low cost and reliable energy. And that is because of our coal industry. And right now, I'm in the process of fighting the closure of three coal-fired plants in Kentucky because if we lose those, we will lose our competitive advantage and we will lose reliable and low cost energy. We had to mention, Governor Bashir, if you so choose, you have 30 second opportunity. This is what happens when you have one of the most partisan candidates for governor that we've seen. Anything good that happens must be the General Assembly. Anything bad that happens must be the governor. The answer to how we landed these Ford plants, because I was in the room, was together. We presented to Ford. We held a special session for Ford. We I want to pause right there. Okay, so for those of you who missed it and hear what Bashir just said, and I said I want to interrupt other than probably one time, and this is the one time why I will interrupt, because that answer by him, and it is crazy to me people aren't more upset about that. What he said was we held a special session for Ford. The special session where they passed giving uh, $410 million, your money, to Ford, which, by the way, the legislators voting on it didn't even know what they were voting for. They literally didn't. They just knew they were voting to give $410 million to a company. They didn't even know who the company was. But, but as he talks about that, he says, we held a special session for Ford. Well, every single legislator walking in there and every single member of the public thought that special session in the fall of 2021 was because of COVID. I thought we were in the middle of a deadly pandemic. We had supposed hospital shortages that absolutely needed our attention. We had to continue the state of emergency for COVID. That was what we were told. But what Bashir just said was we held a special session for Ford. For Ford. And the fact that I'm not seeing any media picking up on this. I'm not seeing anybody else saying about this out of the entire debate. That is to me the most egregious, upsetting, seething. My blood was boiling when he said that. That is the worst line out of Bashir, out of the entire debate, in my opinion. He just admitted that while a pandemic was going on, that he's going Mr. Rogers on TV, telling you every day how many people are dying, mobilizing our National Guard to go help out the hospitals, 
while he's telling everybody they've got to get vaccinated and they're trying to force uh, uh, firing hospital staff for not getting vaccinated, if you remember that. While all of that's going on, they're saying they're calling a special session for Fort. Not for you, not for me, not to serve the people. The legislature, the governor, they're supposed to be doing things for us. If they're calling a special session, it at least on its surface is supposed to be about us. They're supposed to be doing the work for the people. But instead, he comes out and he says it was a special session for Ford. That is absolutely ridiculous. And if you're not upset about that, I don't know what to tell. I, I don't know how you don't see why you should be upset about that. That is absolutely egregious. We'll continue, though, to it. Came together with an agreement about how to get them to pick us. The way we bring in jobs of the future is recognize they're not Democrat or Republican. We're not team red or blue. We're just team Kentucky. Our next question. All right. So that was the end of that. I know I interrupted just a little bit ago, but I wanted to make sure I, I, I got in there and talked about uh, what the issue is. So let, let's talk about the question itself. And this is something I talked about on the podcast earlier this week. And when I talked about it, I know not a lot of media places were necessarily talking about the ramifications of the UAW strike and how that will affect the battery plant here in Kentucky and if it will or won't. But clearly, if it's coming up during a debate, it clearly is an important issue and an issue that um, I think is is worthy of talking about. Because as I mentioned, the problem here, and go back and listen to uh, the podcast I did this week on this, um, I believe it is the one, oh geez, it's not yesterday's, it was the day before yesterday's. I think it was I think it was Monday's, Monday's podcast, uh, where I talked about this. Uh, it was Monday's podcast. It's the first segment on Monday's podcast where I talk about this issue and I lay out the numbers, but just frankly, Ford will not be able to employ the same amount of people. The Ford battery plants will not be as successful as they're hoping they will be if those battery plants are unionized. And Bashir knows that. That's why his answer where he says, hey, both people got to come out on top. He knows the concerns for Ford. They do not have a high profit percentage and they're investing a lot of money into these electric vehicle battery plants. And by the way, so are you and I, like I said, $410 million. And so this is a real problem. And how do you navigate that is uh, a good question in of itself. And well, Bashir can't say anything bad about Ford. He also can't say anything bad about the unions because, of course, as he mentioned, he's endorsed by the UAW because the correct answer is to say, look, the UAW wants higher pay. And I understand you have inflation. You got higher costs of things, everything else. And that is something worth negotiating. At the same time, the electric vehicle side of things right now is not dominated by shops that are unionized. Tesla isn't unionized. And so by Ford unionizing these future plants, it certainly provides opportunities and hardships on Ford to be able to uh, be economically able to deliver one on its promises and two, then compete with the current electric vehicle manufacturers. And then you go to Cameron. Cameron's answer on inflation is a solid, quick way to explain a big part of the problem. See, one of the things the unions are claiming is, well, you had record high profits, not percentages, but <clears throat> just sheer dollar amounts, record high profits. And then also the cost of things are going up for 
the worker. So because the cost of things are going up for the worker, and then they're seeing that uh, uh, this their employer is having record high profits, that makes them say, look, I deserve to get paid more. Right, wrong, or different, agree with them or not, it doesn't matter, but that is what they're thinking. And the reason why they're thinking that is because of inflation. That is what it is. The inflation is causing the record high profits, but inflation is also causing the record high cost of things, which is making the employees say, look, we need to get paid more. You only have 60 seconds to respond. So pointing out the fact that inflation is causing this is the quickest and easiest way to point out this overall reaching cause and effect circle that I just went over. Now, as far as who deserves credit, well, you know, what would have been an amazing response by Cameron should have been, look, um, you know who deserves credit? I guess if you look at it this way, everybody deserves credit. The governor, of course, uh, did some work on it. The legislators, of course, had to come together and make an agreement with the governor. But most importantly, who deserves credit is the people of Kentucky because it's their $410 million that was given to Ford to bring them here. Right, wrong, or indifferent. If you're a citizen who agrees with it, citizen who disagrees with it, that's your position. But at the end of the day, these people took meetings. You all sacrificed your incomes, $410 million to bring them here. Now, that is not necessarily something I would have done, but it's something that I recognize that it's the people's money that we're spending. And as these people up here and, I, and, and, and Bashir and others sit here and compete over and, and anybody doing a debate compete, I'm at, obviously talking as Cameron, as they sit here and debate over who deserves credit, let us not forget that it's your money. And that's something I think we're constantly losing sight of in government. Ooh, a response like that would have really set them apart. But of course, Cameron can't say that because to cast any kind of dispersions on the Ford battery plant itself um, is, of course, a problem. And, well, he can't say that. And he also can't say Bashir gets credit. And, of course, then Bashir tries to make it partisan, nonpartisan. Like I said in a prior podcast, Bashir is certainly trying to play this. Anytime anything's bad said about him, well, this is just partisanship. It can't be because Bashir did something bad. It's just simply partisanship. We know that's how they'll play. Well, coming up after this break, we're going to be going over um, their next question. We'll go ahead and play that question for you uh, after this break right here. All right, so let's go ahead and take a listen to uh, their next question. We'll be from Link NKY Managing Editor Megan Goth, Attorney General Cameron. You will start with this question. The General Assembly passed legislation in 2022 setting charter school funding and deadlines for pilot charters in Jefferson County in Northern Kentucky. Since then, litigation has also been filed claiming that charter funding violates Kentucky's constitution. What is your vision for spending on public schools? And does it include charter schools, vouchers, pay increases for teachers, or anything else? Well, look, I appreciate that question. I'm glad to be here tonight with my wife, Mackenzie, who is a public school teacher. She spent nearly seven years in the Oldham County school system, teaching fifth and third grade. And so she, myself, my sister-in-law, who teaches in JCPS right now, want to make sure that we have a world-class education system here in Kentucky, one in which our schools are about reading, writing, and math, and they aren't incubators for liberal and progressive ideas. And I've offered the Cameron catch-up plan to catch up our kids on the disastrous decision that this governor made to shut down our schools, whether they be public or private, this governor tried to shut them down. We need leadership that's going to catch our kids up, going to make sure that we increase the salaries of our teachers, restore discipline to the classroom, 
and remove any bureaucracy that might exist that disconnects our teachers from our students. Governor Bashir, what is your vision for spending on public schools? And does it include charter schools, vouchers, pay increases for teachers, or anything else? I believe in public education. I'm a product of Kentucky's public schools, and I would not be where I am today without so many educators. Uh, I've shown how I'll stand up for public education from the time I was attorney general. And I took Matt Bevin's sewer bill, which my opponent's running mate had championed to court to protect the pensions of every educator, police officer, and firefighter out there, and thank goodness we won. As governor, I have stood with our public education system and against any effort to defund it. My opponent's catch-up plan has vouchers in it which would defund tens of millions of dollars in our public schools, take money out of public schools and provide them to fancy private schools. That doesn't catch anybody up. My plan, an across-the-board 11% raise for every teacher, bus driver, mental health counselor. If we want to catch our kids up in math, they have to have a math teacher. And it's also time for universal pre-K for every four-year-old in Kentucky. We had to mention Attorney General Cameron. If you so choose, you have 30 seconds. Well, the first person I'm going to enroll in the Cameron catch-up plan is Andy Bashir, because it appears he has not read my policy. My policy is about public education. I want to make sure that our schools are the best version of themselves. Again, I grew up in the Hardin County school system. My wife is a public school teacher. My sister-in-law, a public school teacher. The majority of our students are in public schools. And what Andy Bashir did in shutting down our schools for nearly two years is a shame. And we need a governor that is going to lean into this issue to fight for our kids and make sure that they have the best education system here possible in Kentucky. Attorney General Cameron, thank you. Our next question. So. I don't really, so the question was obviously about school choice, you know, and they're going to ask a lot more questions about education coming up here too. So I'm going to really stick to this here. I don't really understand why Cameron would run away from the issue. He pseudo sort of kind of did, um, you know, school choice polls very well with the general voter as far as it goes, talking about educational systems. I mean, obviously a good line of saying, look, I'm about supporting teachers. I'm about supporting our students. I'm not about supporting over bloated and expensive school systems that are failing our children, which is what my opponent's about. We have a constant rate of failure right now with our students. They are not proficient in reading or math and continuing to do the same thing, well, and expecting a different result. Well, that is the definition of stupidity. I think our students and our teachers deserve more than stupidity. I think they deserve some choice. So do teachers. They deserve to choose who they want to work for and have some competition in the workplace for their skills. So that way they can get paid more while at the same time having an educational system that focuses on the students. But see, Andy Bashir is, is, is what he's doing here is he's tying in public schools with teachers. Teachers help get them elected. By tying the two together, he's able to attack Cameron on the school choice type issues. And if Cameron, what he needs to do is come in and divorce the issues apart. Now, of course, as well, uh, Bashir talks about Cameron's catch-up plan, which 
does not involve anything to do with school choice. So it's, it was a funny response from Cameron on the catch up plan. Um, and also too, as well, I think Cameron, this offered a good opportunity where Bashir first brought up his, his, uh, raises for teachers to bring up the fact that Bashir cannot deliver for teachers. He has promised year after year after year to give you all a raise. He can't deliver it. At least when I'm talking about giving a starting pay raise to teachers in order to uh, attract and retain talent uh, right here in Kentucky to keep our teachers here, at least I know I can deliver on it because I can work with the legislature. Bashir, we know for a fact, can't deliver on anything he says. It's like I'm running against somebody who has no plan on education because his plan doesn't matter because he can't deliver on it and he's failed to do so. So your choice is me with a plan or no plan from Bashir. That would have been a good response, I think, in that situation. Um, it would have been nice to see that pull up, but Cameron did handle it fine by kind of pulling out that Bashir thing. I really, as I said, I don't understand what the aversion is to running away from school choice uh, in this situation. I just, I don't, know what they're seeing um i'd be I, I guess they're tying that teachers must be against school choice though i'd be curious to see what the data is as far as teachers actually having issues with that let's go to their next question here the same topic of education coming from lex 18 anchor larry smith governor Bashir, we will start with you Evan, thank you. <clears throat> thank you. And again, Governor, Attorney General, thank you for your time tonight. It's an honor to be here with you. School districts all across the state um, are dealing with teacher shortages, obviously, and you know this, as well as too few paraprofessionals and bus drivers. Earlier this year, it was reported that at one point, Kentucky is short some 1,500 to 2,000 teachers on any given day. Kentucky's Education Commissioner recently resigned, signing the passage of Senate Bill 150, which limits sex education, transgender care, and the use of gender pronouns in schools. All this coming as reading and math scores have tanked since the pandemic. Governor Bashir, we start with you. What would your administration do in the next four years to reverse this course in Kentucky's public school system? You have 60 seconds. Yeah, I think our educators recognize a governor that's been with them every step of the way and one that's now saying for the first time they'll be with them. See, I went to court to protect the pensions of our teacher as attorney general. This attorney general says he would have fought to support the bill and cut those pensions. I'm out in front trying to raise teacher salaries by 11%. That'd move us in starting teacher pay from 44th to the mid 20s. If we wanna make sure that we have a math teacher, a physics teacher, everything we need in our classrooms, we have to pay people closer to what they're worth. And we've got to stop doing what my opponent and Matt Bevan have consistently done, which is attack our teachers. Governor Bevan called them terrible names. This attorney general claims they're doing terrible things in their classrooms. But I've heard it over and over across the state. People's kids aren't being exposed to things through the classroom or, or through libraries. They're being exposed to them through my opponent's commercials. Attorney General, also to you, uh, what would your administration do in the next four years to reverse this course in Kentucky's public school system? As a reminder, again, you have 60 seconds. Well, the really important thing is to make sure that we put new board members on the Kentucky Board of Education and make sure that we have a new commissioner at the Kentucky Department of Education. The one that just resigned has displayed open hostility to our hardworking teachers. For instance, he went in front of the General Assembly and said that if any teacher does not embrace the far left ideology coming into our classroom, in the midst of a teacher shortage, his commissioner at the Kentucky Department of Education told those teachers they should just find another job.
Governor Bashir, you were talking to my wife. You were talking to millions of teachers that reside here right in Kentucky that have a difference of opinion or different viewpoint. You should never have leadership in Frankfurt that speaks down and denigrates our hardworking teachers. I'm going to be a governor who lifts our teachers up and does not pit a political party against our teachers. Everyone, Republican, Democrat, or Independent, needs to be working together for the benefit of our students. Attorney, or uh, excuse me, Governor Bashir, uh, rebuttal if you so choose. Yet my opponent claims the teachers are doing things in the classroom that they're not. That is an open attack. He said he would have fought to keep those illegal cuts in place and ask him, he is on tape, he supports a voucher program that would take tens of millions of dollars out of our public school system, out of the paychecks of our educators, out of the resources that they need, and again, send them to fancy private schools. I support public education. He does not. Our next question stays on the topic of education. It comes from Gilbert Corsi. All right. So that was um, one that was kind of a interesting way to phrase that question to say the least but obviously they're starting to dig into the transgender issues in the schools and now Bashir comes out strongly claiming that this wasn't happening in our schools um, an odd claim to make considering we know for a fact it literally was it was happening so much so that teachers were teaching this and everything else that if you would remember the Kentucky Department of Education issued guidance on how schools, if they so choose, could ignore the law that was passed. See, Bashir wants to say these things aren't happening in schools, but a great response would be if these things aren't happening in schools, Bashir, then why is JCPS, Jefferson County Public Schools, right now openly saying they're going to defy the law passed? Clearly, the law passed and what we're addressing in that law is happening in our educational system or your department of education would have tried to figure out a way around it and louisville wouldn't be right now suing people in court that much is very clear now cameron uh did a good job instead of of kind of delivering on that and pointing out to where he's wrong that this is happening right um, what Cameron did was he tried to get at this partisan thing because Bashir uh, gaslights and says, like I said, anything you say negative about him, oh, that's just partisanship. That's just whatever. You know, you're just being partisan. It's not possibly because I'm a jerk who does the wrong thing. It's just because you're super duper duper uber partisan. And Cameron's way of kind of getting back at that is to bring up the Jason Glass thing. That really happened. He was in a hearing and he said, if teachers don't want to get on board, with what they're doing and handling things as far as on the LGBTQ issues and gender issues and transgender issues, then they can go find a new job. That's what he said during a teacher search. He's right. And he wanted to get rid of teachers that wouldn't go along with this far left crazy stuff. In fact, remember, there was a principal in Anderson County fired for not going along with this stuff or suspended, sorry. And he had to sue um, for not going along with this far left stuff because he didn't want to transition kids secretly at school. These things are really going on. I also want to bring up something else that Bashir said and, and, and kind of goes into the last question. It deals with teachers' pay. When we're talking about teachers' pay in Kentucky, we're not actually comparing apples to apples. See, Kentucky does this thing, and it's the legislature's fault, and they do it because, okay, so Kentucky has a balanced budget amendment, meaning we're not supposed to spend more money than we take in, okay? Now, however, our pension obligations are not a part of that balanced budget. And because of that, our teachers pay 
does not consider our pension obligations. And a lot of other states, when they're looking at teachers' pay, they're including all fringe benefits, including their contributions to the pension and the, the contributions to the pension from the taxpayers in order to handle their pay. When they're when other states look at pay, that's what they're looking at. So some of the top ranked four pay states are including teachers' pensions. When we don't include the pension system into teachers' pay, Kentucky looks worse than all the states that do. It's just an accounting thing that the legislature does in order to get away with getting to spend more money. Shame on them. But at the same time, it means you're not comparing apples to apples. Well, coming up after this, we're going to go over their next question. Uh, we'll have that right after this short break. All right. Let's listen to uh, what question they had next for us. We start with Attorney General Cameron on this question. Evan, thank you. Gentlemen, some GOP lawmakers want to split up Jefferson County Public Schools in Louisville, and it's near 100,000 students and $2 billion budget. It may be a part of the next legislative session and a uh, thing that the next governor will have to deal with. So, Mr. Cameron, to you first. As governor, would you push to split up Kentucky's largest school system? Why or why not? My first priority as the next governor of Kentucky will be to make sure we are doing responsible things to benefit our kids, whether they live in Jefferson County or if they're in Fulton County or they are in Pike County. And I wanna make sure that on this question or any other topic that I talk to the legislature, but not only the legislature, talk to the school board superintendent, making sure that every stakeholder, teachers included, are a part of that conversation. We obviously understand that this has come about because there were long waits and delays as it relates to bus transportation in Jefferson County, and my heart breaks over that. There were so many kids, there were stories about some children not being able to get home until 10 p.m. at night. Again, we need leadership in Frankfurt that's going to bring people together. I've demonstrated in my time as attorney general that I know how to do that. I will do it in this scenario as well to make sure that we have the best output for JCPS and all of our public schools. I want to redirect on that question specifically so voters have a clear understanding of where you stand on this issue. Would you as governor push to split up JCPS? Well, look, I don't think we need to make a rash judgment or decision. This is the difference between me and Andy Bashir. I believe in getting folks together in a room and having a conversation. Folks like Senator uh, McDaniel or John Schickel, who are here tonight, other members of the legislature out of Jefferson County, whether they are Republican or Democrat. I want to work alongside them to get to the best answer and solution on this question. It serves no one well to make a rash judgment here in this auditorium. What we need to do is get together with the members of our legislature, our students, our parents, and our teachers to make this judgment. Again, it was heartbreaking to see that some kids were dropped off uh, several feet away or miles away from their home. That just should not happen. We need to have a solution, but I want to make sure we get everyone around the table to have that conversation. I have the relationships in uh, Frankfurt to get it done. Andy Bashir does not. Thank you, Mr. Cameron. To you, Mr. Or, to you, Mr. Bashir. Uh, same question. Uh, would you push as governor if reelected to uh, split up JCPS? Why or why not? 
Uh, our school systems are created to be community-led. JCPS is led through a board that is elected from members of that community, a power grab by legislators to take that control away from the duly elected representatives in that county would be devastating. Uh, these are some of the same legislators that passed Matt Bevan's sewer bill and tried to cut the pensions of every teacher, police officer, and firefighter. They're the same legislators that have passed unconstitutional legislation that would take dollars out of our public schools and try to send them to private schools. We created school systems to be led by counties or the independent districts so that our parents, our citizens could ultimately decide how our school systems move forward. And if my opponent wants to make sure that every kid gets home on time, which we need to, we ought to pay bus drivers more so we don't have a big shortage of them. I think we ought to pay him as well. I think you're going to have a 30 second. You mentioned uh, your opponent, Russell. Yeah, the 30 second rebuttal. Well, look, uh, at the end of the day, as I said earlier, we need to make sure we have everyone talking and together on this topic. It serves no one well to make a rash decision here tonight. But I have the relationships with our legislature. I have a wife who is a school teacher, a sister in law who's a school teacher in JCPS. I know she was heartbroken that they had to basically sit out of school for a week because of the busing situation. Let's get it fixed so that we can educate our kids. Thank you, gentlemen. Evan. Megan is going to take the next question. Governor Bashir, you will start on this question. We're going to pivot topics a little. So it gets into now the splitting up of JC. P.S. And I mean, Cameron's answer is is pretty smart on this, in my opinion, because you can appear humble by saying, I just simply I don't know the answer. I just don't know the answer because I mean, and honestly here and obviously he didn't say I just don't know. He said, look, we got to talk to the right people, everything else, because this is actually relatively a new idea of splitting up JCPS, an idea that people who spend a lot of time looking at this, like the legislators that live in Louisville, around Louisville, deal with the JCPS issues, as well as uh, uh, people who are heavily involved with JCPS will be more knowledgeable on while somebody who was the attorney general, uh, somebody that isn't as heavily involved necessarily with JCPS itself because he, well, he lives there, but you know, he doesn't uh, um, really interact with JCPS a whole lot. This is a relatively new idea and formulating an opinion on this takes time and research and getting information on it from many different places, having the right people to talk to. And you're in the middle of a governor's campaign. This has only been an issue for like a few months. And it's a pretty big step to break up a school district. And so I don't expect Cameron to even necessarily have a, a thought process on it uh, to begin with. Now, of course, Bashir comes in and says, well, uh, you know, he points out the obvious. Kids weren't getting to school. Like, that's like the first basic function of school. That's a failure on the school system. We got to fix that. When Bashir's coming in, like, we just need to pay dress drivers more. We just need to pay for everything. Money's just the answer to everything. Look, JCPS is spending $20,000, over $20,000 a student is their budget. Over 20K. They need to learn how to manage their money better. Yeah, they should pay bus drivers more. And they got the money to do it. At over $20,000 a student, they have the money. They just don't know how to manage it well. Which that opens up new questions and, and, and things like that. But of course, that isn't something Bashir wants to say. And Cameron, of course, is just saying, look, I've got 60 seconds to talk about an issue that is intricate, that has a lot of different outcomes. 
I just, I just don't know. And I think that was a fine way to answer it. I like the fact that they're pivoting topics now. We've covered, I think, three questions on education. Uh, let's hear what their next question is. Let's, let's hear if it's a good question or if it's a question where, um, well, let's see if it's a good question, shall we? A little bit with this one, Megan. Thanks, Evan. Currently, Kentucky has an abortion ban whose only exception is when the life of the mother is in jeopardy. Mr. Bashir, can you clarify your position on whether there needs to be exceptions for rape or incest, and how long is that window open? Kentucky has one of the most restrictive laws in the country. The trigger ban removes any and all options from victims of rape and incest, some as young as nine years old. That is wrong. Yet my opponent celebrated when that law passed. He celebrated when it took uh, effect. He's pledged to support it as it is in numerous surveys, and his lawyers are in court right now arguing that nine-year-old is not irreparably harmed if she's forced to carry her rapist baby. It is absolutely wrong, and those individuals deserve to have options. They deserve to have choices. As Hadley said, she wasn't the first, and she won't be the last. There are people out there right now as Attorney General, I fought for them, and I'm going to continue to fight for them. My opponent's position would give a rapist more rights than their victim. It is wrong. We need to change this law. We need to make sure that those individuals have that option. So at how many weeks would you, for rape or incest, at what point, where's the line there? The right way to make that decision is the way it used to be made under Roe v. Wade, taking it out of the hands of politicians and ultimately uh, allowing courts to balance access because that little girl might not know what she's going through for a period of time, along with the most recent scientific evidence. You know, this is the problem when people throw out weak this or weak that. It confuses uh, the K Kentuckians about what the law is. The law is zero. They have zero options. Think about that non-viable pregnancy where couples have been told that their baby will die moments after it's been born, but this trigger law that my opponent supports makes them give birth and hear their child die. It's extreme, it's wrong, and we really need a change. Okay. Mr. Cameron, same question to you. Um, in prior debates, you supported the law as is, but have since said you'd be open to exceptions. Can you clarify your position on whether there needs to be exceptions for rape or incest and how long that window is open? Well, look, as you've heard here, I'm the pro-life candidate and Andy is the abortion candidate. And he didn't want to answer your question as it relates to uh, what his limit is because he doesn't want any limits on abortion. And he wants you, the taxpayer, to pay for it. When he was in my position as attorney general, he refused to defend a 20-week ban on abortion. As governor, he has vetoed a ban on 15 weeks for abortion. And then just recently refused to sign legislation that would protect a baby that was born alive after a failed abortion. That is Andy Bashir's record on the issue of life. It's one of failure for the unborn. And let me also say this, his largest campaign contributor outside of Joe Biden is Planned Parenthood. So don't be at all fooled by the fact that Andy Bashir won't tell you what he wants in terms of limits, because his view on this is no limits and you, the taxpayer, to pay for it. So how many weeks would you support abortions for those 
Well, I'm the pro-life candidate, and I've said that Andy Bashir is the abortion candidate. I've also said that if the legislature were to give me a bill with exceptions in it, I would certainly sign it. But Andy Bashir wants no limits on abortion. And the fact of the matter is, is that he doesn't want to talk about this in his extreme position on abortion because it, he knows that it offends the majority of Kentuckians. But I'm here to set the record straight tonight. He wants no limits on abortion, and he wants taxpayers to fund it. Governor Bashir, rebuttal. Now, this is a candidate that will say anything to get elected. I have always believed in reasonable restrictions, especially on late-term abortions, and I said that from the moment I started running for attorney general over eight years ago. But what you couldn't and didn't hear him say is that he supports personally exceptions for victims of rape and incest. That's because the Kentucky Right to Life survey had a full section, and they asked would he pledge to oppose those exceptions. He said yes. He signed his name to it. When someone shows you who they are, believe them. Uh, I'd like to respond to that, if I may. We'll go ahead and give you 30 seconds. Again, you heard TV Andy, who tells you what you want to hear, but Frankfurt Andy does the exact opposite. Again, he vetoed legislation that would have prevented an abortion after 15 weeks, and he refused to sign a bill that would have kept a baby alive after a failed abortion. TV Andy is talking to you now. But Frankfurt Andy is extreme on abortion, wants no limits, and wants you to taxpayers to pay for it. And Governor Bashir, on this question, you have the right to rebuttal. I will give you one more shot. Yeah, that 15-week ban had no exceptions for rape and incest, showing exactly where this candidate is on it. The other bill, you already have a duty under multiple laws to make sure that any child survives, but he cannot and he will not look into the camera and tell girls like Hadley, that they deserve exceptions and that he will support them. These are little kids that he would force to carry the baby of their rapist. That is wrong, that's extreme, and that's not who we are as Kentuckians. We could spend a lot of time on this question here, it sounds like. We're about halfway through our debate tonight, so we are going to move along to another topic. We're going to go over... Yeah, we can spend a lot of time on this incredibly important issue, so let's not. <laughs> I mean, this is part of the reason why I hate debates. They actually have a good debate going back and forth, calling out each other's record on the issues. And then we have the moderator coming in and deciding, you know what, let's let's not keep this going. This is this is bad. This isn't what we wanted to do. We don't want you guys talking back and forth and having a debate on an important issue like life. Let's just move on. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I just absolutely hate debates but let's talk about what they said so first Bashir started out by saying look we should go back to the way this was handled by Roe v Wade he was asked to give a limit what day what limit what time would he put a cutoff at and he said well we should go back to how this is handled under Roe v Wade uh and that was it was taken out of the hands of politicians that isn't how it was handled under Roe v Wade though how it was handled under Roe v Wade was that it was still up to politicians to set what restrictions they wanted to and could um, under the Roe v. Wade ruling, which said you could still have restrictions, but you couldn't outlaw it completely. And so when he's saying, well, let's just take it out of the hands of politicians, go back to Roe v. Wade, that's not what it was. Politicians were still expected to do their job. I think calling him out for that would have been a kind of a, a good move. Of course, you'd have to realize that right away. And, uh, you know, you can sit back and watch things. Like I'm sitting back watching things, looking at things, and I'm able to analyze and say, ooh, that would have been a good time to say this, or ooh, that would have been a good time to say that. But that doesn't mean that in the moment, I've done debates, um, 
you guys have probably seen some debates that I've done, or maybe you haven't. Uh, I've done debates, and there's been times I've looked back and said, man, he said that. I should have responded in a bit different way. But um, I think it's it's pretty solid. Uh, it's Like I said, it's easy to armchair quarterback, but you got to catch some of those things. Like saying, that wasn't how it was handled on a Roe v. Wade. He should have answered that question saying, let's go back to Roe v. Wade. Well, Roe v. Wade did allow certain restrictions this year. What restrictions do you think that would have been? Honestly, I wouldn't have answered my question. I almost would have thrown it back to him. Uh, but also, too, that's because I typically, when I'm in a debate, uh, will take the format and kind of flip it on its head a little bit. Um, and then, you know, Bashir threw out this line of, if I answer that confuses Kentuckians about where the line is. Does it though? Does it, or is your response confusing? What kind of answer is that? Where would you set restrictions at? Well, if I answer that, that would confuse Kentuckians. No, it's a pretty straightforward answer if you answered it. Now, of course, for Cameron calling out Bashir for no limits, very solid, good call. Uh, if a legislator, um, he, he said he's calling him out for those lack of limits. Uh, he, he pointed out some of the bills he didn't sign, he didn't go through, um, and and pointing out that, I, I mean, one of the reasons Bashir said uh, he didn't sign that 15-week ban as well, it had no exim exemptions for rape or incest. Uh, Any Bashir, 15 weeks, that's over three months. That's over three months. If after three months you still haven't been like, yeah, let's let's go ahead and and uh, you know I've been rape or incest, and after three months you still are not getting an abortion, that doesn't make sense. It's been three months. Like, it's if if there's ever a place to not have exceptions, wouldn't you say like that would be a reasonable time to cut off? So what, what is Bashir saying? Is he saying he wants exceptions for rape and incest up until birth? That would have been my fire back. So, Bashir, are you saying you want exceptions up until birth for rape and incest? Are you going to murder a baby a minute before it's born because it was conceived through rape or incest? Can somebody please justify that at all to me? I understand you want to talk about the mother, but at some point we have to talk about the baby. And regardless of where you think that baby gets gets its uh, 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 value at or not, surely any Bashir one minute before birth, you would think it at least has value, enough value that it shouldn't just be slaughtered because of how it was conceived. You know, that'd be nice. But of course, Cameron had to worry about his own response at the same time because Cameron continued with his flippity flop and I'm saying flippity flop because he did one major flip flop and then he kind of flipped a little bit back and now he's flopped all the way forward. Um, if you'd remember, so he was against exemptions. They pointed that out. He signed pledges to Kentucky right to life saying he was against them. Then now he come out in the general and he said that if the legislature put a bill before him, then he would have to, he would sign it for exemptions. Then he went on uh, another program after that and said, let me clarify if a judge or somebody else said that we had to have exemptions in the law uh, and we had to do that. And I was forced to do that. I would sign that in order to keep the law valid. So he was saying like, look, I'm, I was only saying I would sign it because of a judge. That's what he claimed. If a judge made us do it in order to keep the law in place, then I would, I would do it. And now he's left aside any kind of, of, um, qualifier to that at all. He's saying if a bill gets put before me with exemptions in it, I'll sign it. 
that is what he's at. That's what he said originally. Um, no matter how he over the last month has tried to pretend like that's not what he said, he should have over the last month stopped trying to buy it back and have just admitted to it. I'd have a lot more respect for a person that does that than I have respect for a person who flip-flops, then lies about flip-flopping and tries to flip-flop a little bit back and then flip-flops forward. And that's a big issue. And, and that is, the flip-flopping is a giant issue. And I know people don't want to hear it. People don't want to talk about it. They want to say, what do you want to see, Andrew? But I, there are people I know um, very well that are politically involved, good conservatives um, that are refusing to vote, refusing to put, or if they are voting, they're refusing to put signs in their yard. They're refusing to go volunteer for them because they don't want to volunteer and help out a flip-flopper. It just, it's a, it just doesn't look good. Now, I don't know whose votes you think you're buying with that, but it just it just doesn't look good. Well, y'all, that's what we have time for today on the Andrew Cooperwriter Show. Visits back here tomorrow. We'll be going into part two of this here governor's debate. I thank y'all so, so much for joining us. Have a great rest of your day. <laughs>